0: you, Jesus, and Lord, we thank you that just a moment in your presence can change the entire course of our lives. We thank you that a moment in your presence, a word from your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us on our way, can make everything clear. And Lord, in these moments where we come around your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear What you want to say to us? And open hearts, ready to receive it, and lives wanting to do it and obey it and implement it. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken faith in our hearts to walk in the way that you want us to walk in. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Let's thank our musicians. And wasn't it amazing to see Millie this morning? Come on, we should give Millie a big shout. Absolutely fantastic. It's great, isn't it, just to see new generations, new generations standing up in God's house, Wanting to serve him and serve his people. And wasn't that video of Dave? Absolutely amazing. Absolutely fantastic. It really was. And really over the next weeks, that's what I want us to be thinking about. So on the screen behind us, the theme that we're going to be looking at is reaching out. You know, when you look at the Bible from beginning to end, it's a letter From God, reaching out to men and women, reaching out to lost men and women, reaching out to people who have no hope, no future, the very heart of God reaches out to us. Aren't you thankful that God reached you? I certainly am. We were in all kinds of different states and places. Our lives were hopeless in many ways, and he found us in in. in, all of the wrong places, doing all of the wrong things, but His grace reached us. In fact, Paul the Apostle, a guy who wrote many letters in the Bible, saw a clear picture of how God found us all. And it wasn't a good picture. He said, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, when you were out for count, when your life was no good, that's when God came in Christ To redeem us and rescue us and save us. Before we reach out, we understand that God reached us. And in reaching us, there's something within all of us that wants to reach others too. There really is the whole emphasis of the Bible. And there are many things, many wonderful teachings in the Bible. There are many wonderful things that that we can be enriched by. That our lives can Benefit by, but oh, let us never forget the main emphasis of the Bible is salvation for a lost and a dying world that's in need, that's under darkness, that needs God, God's burning passion. John saw it when he wrote his gospel. He said, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have Eternal life. And I love that testimony that Dave encouraged us with. His story, him and Sarah with their business partner running successful businesses. But do you know what? Jesus is at the center of their lives. And their business is not off limits to Jesus. Their lives are not their own. And you know, I've talked to Dave many times. Just about how in the course of daily life. He gets opportunities just to share the love of God with people. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have or where you are. Every single one of us has a God-shaped vacuum within us. And we try to fill that God-shaped vacuum within our soul with many different things. All of us, we're all the same. We try everything, a million and one things and that vacuum that shape that god-shaped hole within us is never satisfied until Jesus comes and is at the center of it. God is a god who reaches out. And you know what many of the religions within our world and many of the many of the messages within the world run contrary to that. They say that God is angry, that God is distant and he's aloof. And he has no concern with the world in which we live. No, that's not the message of the Bible. God is a God that reaches out. God is a God that loves us. And sees the, the, the conditions very often that we live in. And wants us to, to bring us into everything that he has for us. And for us who have Christ in our hearts. Let's never forget those who are, who are around us. Oh, The heart of God aches for those that do not know Him. Oh, how the Holy Spirit works tirelessly around the clock to get a person just to a place where they cry to Him, to get a believer to the point where they reach out to another. Let's never forget, you know, the church is not A luxury cruise liner. One man said the church is not a luxury cruise liner. It's a vessel for saving souls. It's a vessel. A search and rescue vessel for those who are languishing in life that have no hope and have need. You know, Jesus at the outset of his ministry, I'm going to read you scriptures this morning. You're going to be really familiar with them, but I want us to consider them again. To bring them again fresh into our hearts and into our minds. Jesus was very clear as to why he came into our world. Luke 19 verse 10, he said this. And really, it encompasses everything about his life. It encompasses and epitomizes his whole mission for which he came. This was the burning passion. This was the core desire of his life. And I believe, you know, it pleases God. It pleases the heart of God when he finds this core burning desire in our hearts. And I know it's easy to get sidetracked. I know it's easy, you know, sometimes to to juggle all of the things that you've got to do. But let's be aware. Let's have this. If we're going to have something at the core of our being, let this be it. You want goals? Let this be your goal. You want goals to succeed? Let this be the top of the list. He says... Luke 19, verse 10, I have come to seek and save the lost. If you look at Jesus' life very carefully, and you study it through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that he fulfilled this statement in remarkable ways. This driving passion of his life to seek and save that which was lost. It took him overseas to a graveyard to find a man that was deranged out of his mind, breaking chains, living in tunes, running around the countryside naked. It took him to a scene where a woman was about to be stoned under the law because she'd just been caught in the very act of adultery and in, in, the, in that time they dragged her out of the bedroom and they threw her at Jesus' feet. It took him into the leper colonies. It took him into the wildest of places where you would never really think the Son of God would go. To the point that the religious and those that were against him criticized him by saying he's just a friend of sinners. He doesn't belong with us. I tell you something now, you've got, to, you've got to go right into things, into the thick of things to get a reputation like that. But that's the reputation that the church should have. Just like Jesus had. That's, that's the whole heartbeat of God. And I believe the Holy Spirit, he really wants to help us. He really wants to help us to understand God's cry and the burden that's on his heart, so that it can be our heart as well. Jesus went everywhere and anywhere to fulfill this statement. It wasn't just words. You know, talk is cheap, isn't it? And lots of times it's easy to make great promises and outline great plans. We do that as human beings. And then lots of times... It's just like, you know, it's like, it's like eating candy floss. It looks really big. It looks really appetizing. And then you take a bite into it and suddenly it's dissolved and gone in moments. The plans of man, the plans of mankind are like that. But the plans of God. I tell you something now. God, when God declares something, he puts everything of himself into it to fulfill it. And Jesus, Jesus went everywhere and anywhere. We'll see. To fulfill this very statement. At the outset of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 4. He gets up in the synagogue as as was his custom in Nazareth. And he was handed the book of Isaiah. And he opened the book. And he began to tell them all of the people that he was about to meet. It was like when he opened the, the, the scriptures and when he read from Isaiah, it was like he was, he was speaking about all of the different classes of people that he was going to meet that were queuing up to meet him in his future. It was like opening a diary, and, and the diary was the words of Isaiah that he took upon himself to fulfill. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 22. It says this. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And his custom was, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book... He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Then he closed the book. No big long sermon. We're talking a couple of minutes and he's he's all said and done. Wouldn't it be great to have sermons like that in church? Don't say amen. But really, but really, maybe that should be our sermon. Five or ten minutes max. He 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 told them exactly what he was gonna do, and then the next three years of his life, he flung all of his energy and all of his time and all of his might into fulfilling those words of Isaiah. Those people didn't realize how radical this was going to be and how rough. They didn't realize who was in their midst. You read a little bit down the chapter and they said, wow, this this young man is so wise. But it's Joseph's son. Not knowing that just 40 40 days before the father had opened the, the heavens and he didn't say, well done, this is Joseph's son. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They didn't know what was about to hit. They didn't know how Jesus was going to step into his ministry as the son of man and the son of God and completely turn over the whole region and change people's lives. He closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all eyes were on him in the, were fixed on him, in the synagogue. And he began to say to them, "Now this is when they started to get a bit itchy. You read the chapter. This is when things started to get a little bit hot in the building. He said, "Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is is this not Joseph's son? Jesus was bringing closure to a prophecy that was thousands of years old. And he wasn't happy to leave this prophecy hanging in the past. They knew well this this prophecy and this word that was spoken by Isaiah. They, They were well versed in the scriptures But when Jesus said, today this is fulfilled in your midst, he was saying, I am the embodiment of the one that is anointed. I am the embodiment of the one that has come to heal the brokenhearted, to speak good news to the poor, to set the captive free and the prisoner. And they just thought that it was going to be business as usual in church. And then Jesus turned the table and he began to show them how direct he could get. And he said a few words to them. Suddenly they seize him and they want to throw him over a cliff. It's in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 is an incredible chapter. It really is. It's the first time where we see Jesus announcing all of the people that he is going to reach. And it's one of the first times where we see such horrid rejection and rebellion against that, that purpose that just wants to help people, that just wants to reach needy people. Why would people get so angry when you stand up and want to reach those who are beyond your borders? But they took him aside, they dragged him out of the temple and they tried to kill him. And yet the Spirit was on him and he walked through them all. The people that Jesus were going to reach. Firstly, he said, I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm going after the poor. That's what I'm doing. I'm going after the poor. They're not in this little religious club that we've got here going on in Nazareth. They're they're beyond these walls. They're outside of these doors. But I'm telling you, if you're not going after them, I'm going after them. I am going after the poor, and I am going to preach good news to them. They hadn't Heard the news that he was going to speak. The the world around him and the society in which he lived was poor. Not, Not just physically poor, but spiritually poor. They had a broken and incorrect picture of God. And oh, the people in their thousands all around us in our, in our workplaces, in this city of Newport and this nation of Wales have such a poor idea as to who God is. He's portrayed as angry. He's portrayed as judgmental and vindictive. He's portrayed as distant. Jesus said, my words are going to correct that. Not only my words, my action are going to show God in his full color. In all of his brilliance. And oh, how he did that. His life adjusted the way that people thought about God. And he brought them from their poverty. And he enriched them in everything he did. In his teaching, in his actions, in his love that was displayed in oh, so many ways. And that's why I love to look through the Gospels because you see him meeting poverty head on, mental poverty, broken pictures. Day after day where people thought that they were excluded from the blessings of God. Where people couldn't go into the synagogue because they were ashamed. And Jesus was out in the highways and the byways and the streets where all of the people were. And he was bringing adjustment and correction and revelation and blessing. And wholeness to that broken picture. To the point where people... It says they would come to him and they would leave him leaping and dancing and praising God. That's what happens when the blessing of God collides with our poverty. You get a revelation of who God is and your life is never the same. He went after those who were poor to make them rich. He said, I've come. Another statement, he said, I'm going to become poor so that you can become rich. Another aspect, he said, I'm going after those who are brokenhearted. And literally, that means to be under the foot of a conqueror. So many people under the heel of a conqueror. They've got no aspiration for their life because their life has been crushed. They've got no hope for the future because of everything that's gone on in the past. I'm telling you, this word was relevant in Jesus' time en masse for myriads of people, and it's as relevant... Today, as it's ever been, there's people all around us that are poor. There's people in your workplace, in your extended family, and even all around you in this city. They have a poor understanding of God. My God, if only we had the brokenhearted of Newport in this building. I'm telling you, you'd be having 10 services a day and more. Every church in Newport would be filled just with the brokenhearted alone. People under the heel, under the power Of something that they can't beat, whether it be a habit, an addiction, a mindset. Oh, the work for the church, for the believer, has never been as great as it is today. The fields are white. And the Holy Spirit is encouraging you. He's not telling you to leave this building and go and assault somebody with with a tract or a billboard or, or the Bible. And uh, to force, you know, and arm lock them to get a decision out of them. He's telling you to go out of this place with joy and to be led forth with peace. To see the mountains break forth before you. He really is. And you're just going to walk into situations. You're going to walk into situations. And suddenly you're going to become aware. You are. The broken hearted and your words are going to carry great power. Your life, your actions are going to carry a great aroma. The the aroma of God's love. And it's going to help people and heal people. And you're going to bring them to Christ in the strangest of places. He said, I've come to preach deliverance to the captives. Today, this is fulfilled in your midst. After this service has ended, you could you could feel the tensions after the service has ended. You're not gonna find me coming here again because my whole life is set, my whole course is sorted out. These are the people that I'm going to. Deliverance to the captives. And the picture there in the original language is of somebody that's held at spear point. It's like an an aggressor holding somebody against their will, an adversary holding somebody against their will, and the spear is up under their throat and they don't move. Our Our modern take on that would be somebody held at gunpoint and the fear and the anxiety and the trauma, captive. He said, I'm going for them. I'm going for them. It's not right that they're captive. It's not right that they're held. Their life is going to flourish. It's been created by God. The kingdom of God is coming and it's going to bless them. It's not right that people are held. God's created people to flourish and for their lives to be free. I'm going after them. He said, I'm I'm going to give recovery of sight to the blind. Those, and Isaiah on another occasion said, those who sit in darkness have seen a great light. You know, when you've been in darkness for such a long time and you see just a glimmer of light, my God, you don't run away from the light, you run towards it. Me and Tony were talking yesterday all about this. You know, Tony, Tony and the team go out on a Monday night reaching people anywhere and everywhere all over Newport, inviting them, praying with them. People, Tone, they're in darkness, but when they see that glimmer of light, what do they do, Tone? Come run into it. We haven't got to be afraid or ashamed. We offer that, lit, your light, your life, they know about us. And you know what? Just keep doing what you're doing. Your life is the light Jesus actually said that. You are, he said, I am the light of the world. But then talking about us, he said, you are the light of the world. He said, I'm going to free on from there. I'm going to free those who are oppressed. Those who are under the power of something or someone greater than their own. Captivated, oppressed. God's not into oppression. He's not into oppression. He said, I'm, gonna, I'm going after them and I'm going to bless them. I'm going to set them free. Their life is going to be brand new. You would have thought the church would have been excited. You would have thought that people would have been ecstatic. Oh, Jesus, we're behind you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We understand about the pressures and the problems of life and the things that come to tie us up and break us down. Jesus, thank you that you've said today. De- Do you know what? They weren't excited. They tried to run him off a cliff. Do you know I love, what I love about Jesus is that he never saw anybody as an inconvenience or an Interruption. It's like he'd walk down the street every day and I just picture him saying, come on, interrupt me. Interrupt me. I've got what you need. Interrupt me with your problems. Interrupt me with your issues. That's why I'm here. Interrupt me. Whatever the issue might be, it doesn't matter how big it is. You see, God's resources of heaven Follow the man and the woman that go after the lost. Some of us may be called to preach to thousands of people. Others may be called to preach to one or two. It doesn't matter. The resources of God's kingdom follows you as you reach and as your heart responds to the need before you. Jesus was never inconvenienced. He was never, never interrupted. You know, I think sometimes we maybe get a f- bit afraid of sharing our faith because of this aspect of rejection. Rejection. It's hard. It's hard. We could, I could talk to you, you could talk to me today about the times that you've been rejected over trying to share your faith. And you've been doing it with a good heart to reach out to somebody because you're concerned about their future. Like Dave said, that, that, that long rope that represents time and eternity, the, 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 the white side of that rope is, is an endless timescale. It's called eternity. And the little bit at the front, that red marker point, is just the start and finish of our lives. And you know, as Christians, we, we want people to receive Christ. We don't want people to go to a lost eternity. And you may have reached out to somebody and you got stung, man. You got rejected hard. Read Luke 4. Jesus got rejected severely to the point of nearly losing his life now I've never been rejected to that point and maybe you maybe maybe you haven't but don't don't back off because of rejection don't back off don't cower away because of of the pressure that you feel just trust God Within seven days, Jesus had left Nazareth, and in Luke 4, it's an incredible, it's an incredible chapter, a real, real incredible chapter, because it's, it's a chapter of extremes. Within, within seven days, Jesus was at another synagogue in Capernaum, okay? Now, we're going to pick up on this a little next week, and then, Thomas and Katrina are with us the week after, and then we'll continue, see how we go beyond that. But this whole emphasis of reaching out, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to help us, wants to help us to reach out to others. Within seven days, Jesus was in another synagogue. Now, in all honesty, if I'd have been preaching in the synagogue seven days before and I nearly got killed, I think I would have had that Sunday off. I think I would have given it a miss, in all honesty. You know, I need a sabbatical. I need a bit of time out. My God, not Jesus. I'm telling you now, you talk about radical. Woo-hoo! You talk about rule breaker. You talk about a man that steps out of a box. The Son of God, man. Radical. Seven days, he's in another synagogue. And... It's in Capernaum and he, you know, he's he's preaching, everybody's marveling at his words and suddenly a man starts to kick off, he's got a demon spirit and Jesus just casts that demon out of him and they're just amazed by his authority. Then he goes in Capernaum to Peter's mother-in-law's house, she's sick, lying infirmed in bed, he walks into the bedroom, he heals her. And then she comes down, makes him them some food. And all of Capernaum that night turns up at the door. The demonized, the oppressed, those that needed healing. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't send them back to the synagogue, friends. He doesn't say, come and meet me in seven days. You know, I'll be, I'll be... Back in Capernaum for round two. No, right on the front yard, the whole city's there. He starts casting the devils out on the street. He starts being who he is, seeking and saving that which is lost. Healing healing the mentally deranged. I mean, he's got it all going on and he, he, he does it all night. At the end of it all. Listen to this now. They beg him not to leave. Nazareth rejects him. Capernaum receive him. Just imagine if Jesus had given up at the point of rejection. Just imagine if he'd have backed off, slowed down. Said, Oh my god, it's my first day out to preach in the synagogue and look what they think of me, Father. Your pleasure can't be on me. Your anointing, surely it's not on me. I've nearly got myself killed this morning. But no, he pushed through. He carried on. And I'm backing off. You can do what you want. You can think about me in whatever way that you want me to, but I am going to preach good news to the poor, come what may. I am going to heal the brokenhearted. I'm setting the prisoner free. I'm telling you, church, this is where our joy is. It really is. Sometimes people, you know, they get fed up of church and bored. There's nothing boring about being a follower of Christ. There really isn't with such a beautiful, amazing commission. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in a moment. Rejected in Nazareth, received in Capernaum. Listen, Capernaum, the people in Capernaum wanted to keep Jesus. When you're rejected, it's it's easy, it's easy to get tempted to just give up. Throw the towel in. When you're received with great joy, it's easy just to stay where you are in the place of blessing where everybody accepts you. You know, Jesus, do you know what he said? I can't stay with you. There's more places that where there's more people and more places that I've got to go to, more people that I've got to reach. He wasn't stopped by the rejection. He wasn't hindered by the reception. His heart burned. Got to seek the lost. Father, today, where is it? Who is it today? I must, boys, I must, I must go through Samaria. Jesus, not Samaria They're a bunch of idol worshippers. They're godless. You know, they're mongrels spiritually. They've got a mixture of, of the Samaritan gods mixed with the Jewish gods. We can't go. I must go through Samaria. Is there thousands of people waiting at the other end of your obedience? Jesus, no, there's a woman that's had five husbands. And the man that she's living with now is not part of her life. But I'm being impelled. I'm being moved to meet her. Meet her, he did. And salvation came. Do you know what? Let's be aware. Let's be aware. Last week, the week before, and this week before us, there's going to be invitations all around us. Invitations all around us asking us to come on in asking us to help asking us to serve a word of encouragement a kind gesture a prayer for somebody that's just stuck in life doesn't know what to do where to go let's be aware of those situations amen we're going to continue next week with this but i'm expecting to hear wonderful testimonies of God's, I'm, I'm expecting to see wonderful testimonies from my life. I know you are too. Of how God's going to lead you to people that don't know Him. Because it's His burning desire to do that. Father, I thank you today. And Lord, I pray for your people. Lord, oh, it's a joy. It's a joy to carry your word and your message to others. Lord, I pray as you declared good news to those that were poor, Lord, I pray that you would use us to change the picture that people have of God. Lord, I pray, Lord, as you came to heal the broken heart, would you use our lives to heal the hearts of others through our actions, through our words, through our commitment to them. Lord, as you came to give recovery of sight, to the blind, those who were eclipsed by darkness. Lord, use our lives to bring and to be the light for a new life and a new way and a new hope. Lord, we pray for those who are imprisoned under a power that they can't control again, Lord. We pray for your Holy Spirit anointing to be upon us to set the captives free in Jesus name Amen Amen If you're here today for the first time or you may have been coming a a number of times and you know you've you never prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your life I remember a guy saying this to me once and it really helped me He said, Dave, he said, receiving Jesus is just like A, B, C. He said, it's as easy as A, B, C. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, first of all, he said, the A stands for admitting you're a sinner. I said, well, I can do that. I got a lot of evidence to prove that I'm a sinner. I can admit that I'm a sinner. I said, what's next? He said, well, the next bit, B, is belief." I said, okay, believe. What do you mean by that? He said, well, he said, just simply believe that Jesus came to die for your sins, that you're admitting, and that he rose from the dead, and he wants to live inside your heart forevermore. I said, well, I'd like to believe that. I'd like to believe that he wants to take my sins and all of my past record away and so that I can feel clean on the inside and at peace. And then he said this, finally, the C part of it all is this, just confess with your mouth that Jesus is now Lord of your life and you shall experience this amazing gift of salvation. Listen, I was 15 years of age, 15 years of age. And I did that, and somehow my life was changed. Peace came into my heart. Maybe that's you today. Hey, listen, like me, you know you're a sinner. you got evidence to prove it. In fact, you're in great company this morning because we're all sinners saved by God's grace. We all acknowledge that. Nothing to be ashamed about. Are you ready to believe are you ready to place your faith in Jesus to hand over the steering wheel of life to him and just to confess him as Lord if you're ready if you're ready, if this is the day you realize that this is the moment for you to pray that prayer you can bring your poverty to him, you can bring your broken heart to him You can bring your oppression and your imprisonment to him. He'll free you on every front. Believe me, he set me free on every, every aspect of life that I brought to him and is still setting me free. Pray this prayer. We close our eyes. We've come to the closing moments of our service. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus quietly in your heart. Oh, I tell you what, let's all say it together out loud. It's good to say it. Say this, let's say it together out loud. Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. I acknowledge and admit I'm a sinner. Would you save me from my sin? I put my faith in you, I place my trust in you and from this day I want to confess that you are my Lord, amen. It's that easy, it's that easy. It doesn't get any more complicated than that and anybody that tells you it does just walk away. I'm telling you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we'll have people at the back at the the connection point. We'd love to give you a Bible. If you want to talk to us, you can come and see us. We'd love to pray with you further. And this is what we say to people. Listen, just keep coming back. We're a family. We're the family of God. This is the house of God. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet.